Welcome to Beans and Breakdowns, a podcast dedicated to bridging the gap between specialty coffee and the heavy music community. On this episode, I am joined by a man who needs no introduction, Rusty Pistachio, guitarist of the band H2O. Rusty was nice enough to come on uh, Saturday morning, hang out with me, drinking some coffee, and of course talking about H2O and hardcore. So grab a fresh cup of coffee and wake the fuck up! What's going on, Caffeinated Crew? Today, I am joined by an extremely special guest uh, to me, Rusty from H2O. Rusty, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you doing, Grayson? I'm great. It's afternoon. It just occurred to me that we've crossed over the noon threshold. So this afternoon. Oh, yeah. So so, so we're, we're, each in, um, we're each in about, what, maybe four, four shots in? Yeah, I think I've had like three cups of coffee already. Um, my pitcher is getting low already, so... <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So, so when you start off the morning, is it, is it always drip or is it espresso? What is, um, do you have a favorite or I preference? I manual drip everything. Uh, I have an espresso machine that's been broken for three years. So Uh-oh. I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a drippy guy. What, what about you? Uh, espresso 100%. Uh, I have a, a Rebel, oh, nice. the barista pro, and it was the best purchase of my life. I, am. Um, I worked for three years at a spot in LA called Smith, Smith and Tate. And oddly enough, um, one of the owners is um, in Canada and she was from Canada and she's back back in Canada. But um, I worked there for three years because I thought eventually I want to put my own shop. And um, when I got a home machine, it was a game changer. Yeah. That's what I, I would love to get mine serviced and kicking again. It's like an old Simonelli uh, Oscar. Oh, nice. So it's hard to find replacement parts, but I'm telling you, well, I'll, I'll just pray and believe that I'll be able to get some <laughs> something at, fixed. Up. At the at the end of this, at the end of our talk, I'll definitely I'll give you in, info with uh, my my friend Lauren because she she's been able to source so much stuff and she's got a, a really nice uh, was it on the hydraulic the manual I forget what brand like a Pavoni or something like yeah, that yeah she's got a super nice one and she's like I got this on eBay can you believe it it was on <laughs> $300 or some ridiculous price. I'm like, what? That's a great price for a Pavoni. I'm telling you. Um, what are you, what are you drinking over there on your side? Do you have any coffee going on? Um, today, actually let's check out my mug. Mm. It's, um, is that the peanut yeah. jewelry? Uh, yeah. Peanut logo. That's was, awesome. Uh, a friend of mine, a friend of mine in Atlanta. Um, I just got these shipped today. I guess he had Yeti. Yeti made some, yeah, some made by Yeti and, it was like a gift, but um, for um, for today, there's a there's a roaster. It's loyal loyal coffee out of Colorado Springs. Okay, and it's a their I think it's their staple blend is a uh, called Double O, and um, that that's what's in the hopper today. And it's it's got the you get the that warm the warm wholesome like homey comfort food vibe. From it, like a chocolates and the and a little bit of citrus that on the on the end. So that's, that's awesome. um that's perfect espresso blend. Oh yeah, and it's chilly out here today, so it was like, yeah, you need that that warm Thanksgiving feeling. <laughs> nice. 
little bit of even though maybe some spicy in it to give you that little oh you know, yeah holiday spice Definitely, definitely a nice little kick. I, I on my side, I was blessed with a uh, a care package from Scotland. It was a guest I had on a couple of weeks ago, Finn Barr from the band Below the Neck, and he sent me their signature blend. It's a local roaster in Inverness, um, oh, nice. Scotland, by Inverness Coffee Roasting. So the Below the Neck blend, it is a um, Colombian. Colombian, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. It's hula mixed with a Malabar. And it's a really great blend. It's got a very traditional feel, but mm-hmm. some of those Colombian nutty and even some chocolatey notes coming through. Um, really delicious. So nice. It's probably even better on um, on espresso. I don't tend to do blends on drip, but I'm a, an adventurous person. <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of, of, uh, coffee shops and working in coffee shops, do you have a favorite local shop? Um, it can be LA or even in the Bluffton area that you're in now. I got to say for Bluffton, the best local coffee is my home. <laughs> and it's funny. There's a, there's a chef friend of mine, uh, Brandon, Brandon Carter. He's got a, a, a shop or a restaurant called farm and common thread in Savannah. And he lives a door one door down nice. and every morning I'm like, Hey, you need coffee. What's up? And he's like, yes. I'm like, what are you, what are you drinking this morning? Are we going double or quad? And he's like, it's a quad kind of day. So it's, um, and the, the you um, need friends like that friends yes. that'll just push you over the edge. <laughs> but, um, for a local shop out here, um, perk, perk, definitely in perk and Savannah, they, they have um they roast great coffee the, the staff john and um the people who work there are awesome and that was like um i used to we're about 25 miles from savannah mm-hmm. and i used to make the drive six days a week just to get coffee and people thought i was insane that's like, love right there. why are you driving two hours a day for coffee are you crazy <laughs> yes They've never tried perk. That's the <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and and they never lived in a coffee desert. <laughs> oh man, I don't don't even. I know about Bluffton, so don't even. Uh, you don't have to explain. <laughs> it's a wonderful town. It it is great. It's, it's Bluffton not... is so quaint and beautiful and yeah, peaceful. It's... But I will say that trying to find some some nice uh, specialty, like even third wave of any kind, is very oh, yeah. difficult. Oh yeah. So. It's like, imagine you and say, um, hey, you know where there's a nice third wave coffee shop? And someone will look at you like, <laughs> what are you? Who are you? Where what are you? Are you speaking? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that is so true. But yeah, Perk is definitely, for people who have never tried it, It's, it's you might think it's crazy, but two hours is enough yeah. <laughs> to get some good coffee. It's funny, in LA, in LA, definitely like the, the staple and from the the beginning, I think the commissary coffee and um, yeah, commissary was definitely the first. Um, I think of of that kind, the thir- third wave that moves it. And basically, it's uh, the owner Tyler. He um, he worked with a developer where they put um, apartments on the top, and then on the bottom you had um, either a a specialty restaurant, a coffee shop, um, uh, pet store, or something mm-hmm. that served the community, and. He, He's definitely was at the forefront of that and um, and pushed that all. I think he's got four or five spots now in LA, and um, 
that was the staple. And commissary at the time was using um, sight glass coffee. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were pushing Owl's Howl was the, the blend of the day, mostly. And that became my standard for which everything else is judged. I'd be like, okay, that tastes like an Owl's Howl, but with this. And you know, before I started getting into you know, different, um, different beans from different areas of the world, I'd be like, right. Oh yeah, this is awesome. It reminds me of Owl's Howl. <laughs> was that was that being in LA, was that your introduction to the the specialty coffee kind of taste and concept? Yeah, I have to say, definitely um was the start that, that was a spark that set it off. That's great. Speaking more about even coffee and, and the industry and everything, coffee crew. What uh, what is the concept behind this? You have it hashtagged and everything on your biography and stuff. What is what is the deal with Coffee Crew? That was the obsessive the obsessive need to find good coffee on tour and and when we were we were on tour, actually our our um, guitar player Colin Colin CPM is um, is his handle. So CPM every morning we we would wake up. And whoever woke up first, let's say we're on, we're on a bus tour and there's anywhere from 15 to 21 people on the bus. And um, so every town you roll into, whoever, whoever gets up first and starts doing the stroll or the night before you start you know, scrolling the internet and, and you know, punching in third wave and <laughs> punching in any, any other catchphrase you can think of that might lead you to that perfect spot. And um, so CPM dubbed it. He, he did a text chain and, and he's like, yo, coffee crew, what's up? Who's awake? Where are we going? And when we did the, um, the theater of pain kind of vibe where it's mm-hmm. the, the coffee crew and, and Motley crew lettering. Nice. And, um, did, I did a, a limited run of, um, these red print on black shirts that say coffee crew, just to, for anyone who was initiated. So it's, um, <laughs> it was more of a, it's, it was, a kind of a, a joke crew, like, yeah, we're a coffee crew, let's go. <laughs> and eventually on tour, anyone else who joined the tour would be like, um, they knew if they wanted good coffee or like a good breakfast, like link up with Rusty in the morning. Sometimes he'll walk two, three, sometimes 15 miles. No. <laughs> to find, <laughs> to find. And, and a lot of times everyone was on board right away. Like, yeah, let's go. We're coffee, coffee. Yeah, let's go. And then maybe a mile away, they're like, how far away is this place again? It's only about a mile and three quarters. The the pain is real. Like people don't understand the the links that people like you and me, like the third waivers will go to, to not drink Starbucks. Like, and sometimes you do have to break down. It's the only thing on the road. Oh yeah. I've done my fair share of the two to five mile hikes (laughs) for the coffee what is peanut jewelry that you, this is your, your main business at the moment? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, peanut jewelry basically uh, started, I went to, went to school for jewelry and metalwork and, um, uh, did a liberal arts degree or you know, bachelor of arts and, uh, master of fine art. And, um, when I started in college, I was all about drawing and painting and always doing artwork all my life. And I had to, take a, um, a course for a crafts credit for my degree. And they said, well, you can do screen printing, ceramics, um, or jewelry. And I thought, 
uh, nothing was nothing was appealing at the, at the moment. And then the time slot for this jewelry class just fit. And I had a professor who was this old white-haired curmudgeon. And he, um, it turns out he was really into um, sculptural like restoration for um, uh, all these all these old um, sculptures from the Smithsonian in DC. Mm-hmm. So this guy would, he would, he would ask me, you know, or actually the professor, he would, um, he would say, okay, this is the project. You have to do this and this and this. And um, I would always try to, try to figure out the, you know, I guess uh, for lack of better words, the most unique way to, to fulfill this project and and he's like wow you know this guy actually gives a shit so he would spend more time with me than the rest of the students and then he would give me after you know, after school projects basically and said hey you know this museum piece needs something cut out in metal and it's going to go on the top of this captain sea chest and would you be interested in in sawing a piece of metal for about 50 something hours and i'm like sure i'm down <laughs> and um <laughs> it just one thing led to another i was like this is easy this is something that, you know, you can do well into your 80s because I actually worked for a goldsmith in um, in New York and he was in his 80s still going strong. And um, so for me, it seemed like it's fun. I took to it. I had the skills to do it. And it's something that if I wanted to continue as a career, I'd have you know, something in my back pocket, you know, to, to work on well into my crippling old age. So. <laughs> the jewelry does look really phenomenal and you do a lot of custom pieces as well. I was checking out on the website. Oh, thank you. But yeah, we, um, I, I did a, a bunch of coffee crew stuff. Yeah, uh, that's why I was asking. I was like, what is the connection between coffee crew and, and peanut jewelry? I love that the porta filter uh, pendants oh, yeah. that you were doing. Yeah. Well, so I did the one because uh, when I, uh, this, there was one uh, spot in LA called Coffee Coffee, mm-hmm. and Coffee Coffee they they had sight glass beans, and the owner Jay was a a black metal bass player. And oh, okay. He was uh, he was into motorcycles. He was into black metal, and um, and I was like, perfect shot, Coffee Coffee. He was into Seinfeld, and um, so we'd roll in, and he basically had the hydraulic machine. He taught me how to pull a shot on that, and um, so that was always the go to. And we would have motorcycle meets. Everyone would roll up, and eventually, I think it just he got burnt out. He, um, I think he liked hanging out at the coffee shop and and being a customer and being part of the the fun side of it and the business side of it burned him out. So he ended up selling it. And the minute he sold the business, I was like, oh man, this is you know that that awesome spot just just um, faded, which was you know it was definitely one of those. Um, good memory and good when it lasted, but it's, um, I did a, um, since we were both into motorcycle riding, um, I did a guardian bell and like, let's do a little cappuccino cup as a guardian bell. And we'll use a little uh, coffee bean as a clapper. Right. And we did a, a bunch of custom and we would do the motorcycle meets and you'd hand them out to all his friends. And so, um, at least from the, the jewelry metal side of things, I was like, Oh, let me expand on this. So we got a cappuccino cup for the refined drink refined um cafe racer guy and let's do like a a straight up old coffee mug like diner coffee mug for um you know the 
the Harley riding ape hanger. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> chug, chug along down. And, um, so we did, I did a little coffee mug with the coffee crew on it. And, um, and I was like, well, you know, how are these beans? How are you making the spro dude? I know let's mess with portafilters. And so I did that portafilter with a pentagram Yes, and I was like, filter the metal. And, um, so I thought, um, you know, black metal, black coffee, filter the metal. And, and oddly enough, uh, it was in nicely, nicely able from Menotis and, um, who is an insane barista and a world-class and he's got trophies to prove it, um, latte artist. Mm-hmm. And, um, he's like, dude, I really like that bottomless porter filter you made. He's like, but I can't get past that pentagram. And I go, what do you mean you can't get past? He's like, I always see negative things when I see the pentagram. And I'm like, dude, it's metal, man. That's like, that's, that's a lot of heart in that. That's not, that's not evil. That's, you know, that's, that's people coming together through music. And, and he's like, and he's like, no, oh, well, I'm more like a piece of love. And I was like, yeah. So I made one with a little heart on the, on the bottom. I'm like, okay, against my better judgment. I'm going to put a heart on the bottom of this thing and make one for nicely. Um, it's funny that that's the story. Cause I literally thought it was like f- something for the ladies. That's okay. what I, I was like, you know, the pentag- pentagrams are like, you know, metal, like goth, metal metal heads. And, yeah. Like death metal, black metal guys. And then the heart is like, you know, something for the ladies, the, the, the moms that like the coffee, yeah. but it's for a barista. <laughs> You're like, let's, let's go for the more nurturing side of things. And the, uh, yes, and no, it's that was straight up nice, nicely able, nicely bringing the bringing the peace and love to everything he does, which um, that's great. He's an awesome human being. That's awesome. Moving off of the uh, the coffee talk because that was a lot of coffee talk. Uh, uh, anyone listening is like. I checked out about 10 minutes yes, ago. <laughs> yeah. I, after they were talking about shops, I was done. I was through listening. Um, like, you, you're sticking coffee nerds, you. <laughs> yes. What was your introduction to hardcore? Um, actually, the one of the first, um, to- Toby, the singer in our band, um, his older brother, Tracy, and, um, he's like, hey, man, you ever hear of this band, Dead Kennedys? And I'm like, no, nah, I, I haven't. And he had a fresh fruit for rotting vegetables. And then he had this, um, I think he had a 12 inch of the too drunk to fuck. And, um, we put it on and I was like, man, this shit sounds crazy. I don't even understand what he's saying. What is he saying? He read me the lyrics. I'm like, Oh man, that's great. When you're a kid, you like, um, any, any song with the word fuck in it, you're like, I didn't, I've never heard that on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that coming out of a, a rock and roll mouth, but, um, but yeah, that was the, my introduction was definitely, um, Dead Kennedy's. And then from Dead Kennedy's, it was like, okay, we live South of DC. So we would, um, we would stroll into Georgetown and there was, um, it was a commander salamander was, um, like a local record shop and t-shirt spot. And, um, you know, I'm trying to think there was another, another spot in Georgetown. Um, was it crash, crash records? I, ah, shit. Like, this is problem with being in, in a scene for so uh, long 40, 40, 40 something <laughs> um but um but yeah they had um oh smash that's what smash smash records and i want to say i got um gbh i got into like a a, a lot of brit punk and mm-hmm. and then um a lot of local stuff like marginal man and um government issue um king face um, um mft uh, it was a music for the deaf. 
and um way back way back then um was it toby's brother todd's like hey we should form a band and there's no there's no bands like this in our area and and there's no scene and like well fuck it let's get it let's get it started so um me and toby's brother todd um, formed a band called roadside pets and he found a guitar player and a bass player and a drummer and we pretty much um it's like three chord punk um or three chord punky hardcore mm-hmm. and um we actually that was um i want to say 84 ish 84 and yeah and so we were we were doing um house parties um playing a halloween show at a barn mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like um all you know any any odd thing and back then in south of dc you're um you're hard to find anyone any kindred spirits so her scene was probably about 28 people large and the rest were um like uh a lot of um close-minded close-minded long hair um rednecks <laughs> to put it politely i guess that's, that's better than the way that i've heard it described before so <laughs> they would they would see us and they'd be like they would pull over and say you want to fight and be like i'm just walking down the street doing my thing well you look different boy how about i get my tire iron out of the back of my truck and beat wow you? <laughs> that's aggressive yeah or we would be at a house party and there'd be this guy who goes play some zeppelin Oh like, man! Or we don't know any Zeppelin. We're not that talented. We're just playing, you know, three chord punk rock, and it's all originals. And you know, you don't dig it, tough shit. But um, and then you'd see um, you know, you, it would always go a little bit further. You know, and then you see a guy standing there with a knife, and it's like, really, you're gonna, gonna stab me because I didn't play Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> I like, want to hear Moby Dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's yeah, great fun stuff uh well I'm, I'm glad that you made it through without playing yeah. any zeppelin <laughs> oh yeah yeah i think we ever have i think um yeah i can honestly say i've never played a Led zeppelin song that's okay hey, we'll, we'll let it pass on this yeah. one <laughs> it was it uh, wayne wayne's world if you was it um any guitar shop everyone it used to be every guitar shop someone would play stairway to happen yeah it's illegal now it's actually yeah. against the law uh yeah. <laughs> i think in most states <laughs> as it should be <laughs> so, so why guitar guitar so um i sang all my life my dad was in a doo-wop band mm-hmm. um, and whenever we're driving he's like hey hit that harmony so I was always a singer coming up and then me and Todd and Roadside Pets, we were both, it was, uh, we always, always, um, tell the, the, the fable about we, um, we had two singers and, uh, two singers, melodic punk band, uh, we're playing in DC and after the show, Guy from Righteous Spring and Fugazi came up, he's like, oh man, I really like your band. I sounded great. And, um, and then Fugazi formed. And it's like they had two singers, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I know where they got that idea." <laughs> so I always joke around, like, "Yeah, we were the we were the inspiration for Fugazi to go with the two singer thing," and and um, because we were we were like an original crabcore band. Yes, um, you invented crabcore. <laughs> but um, guitar, I never I never played guitar until 
Toby, Toby mentioned, Hey, I want to do this band. He's like, you should buy a guitar and you get a guitar player. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. I should do that. This would be awesome. And, um, I maybe, I had friends coming up who would always, I would watch them you know, do their like singer songwriter stuff. And I'd be like one person, a guitar and vocals. And I'd be like, wow, that's insane. I'll never be able to do that. And, um, and I always appreciate anyone who could. And um, when Toby was like, yeah, let's start this band. I found a guitar for 125 bucks and, um, and actually bought it in upstate New York and had the neck adjusted in, in Woodstock. Wow. And, um, and it was, uh, trying to remember the brand. It was like, you know, a, a knockoff, a Les Paul knockoff, but it was the best guitar. But, um, I know, I, I learned how to do bar chords. I learned how to do power chords. Um, a friend of mine had showed me like maybe um, seven or eight other chords to play full chords and, um, and just started, started writing. So with, um, I want to say the summer of, would have been the summer of 94. And um, we, um, we got a proposition when, when Sick of It All found out that we were forming this band I remember they were saying, you know, we're doing a summer tour next year, get 12, 15 songs together and you can open this tour. And I was like, what better motivation to write and to get, you know, get your shit together as a band. Okay. So um, it was uh, all, all based on feel, um, pop culture, um, scene, um, socio-political mm -hmm. aspects of the scene. And, um, and it was like, I'm, I'm going to do what I can to get better. And I want to say six months later, I think we played our first show. And um, it's pretty intimidating when you're never a guitar player. And then all of a sudden you're in a band and you're the only guitar player. Yeah. And then and then you got to sing backing vocals too. And it's like, so learn how to play guitar, learn how to sing and play, learn how to write songs. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was um it was definitely like a, a full-on crash course all in a year <laughs> oh yeah and then and then i want to say the summer of 95 we joined the we hit the road with um sick of it all in civ and did like two months in europe and we were the opening band and that was anywhere from like four or five hundred people at a club show to like twenty five thousand people at a you know an italian festival or yeah so it was um it was pretty crazy it's incredible. <laughs> uh, speaking more about, you know, eight shows music and everything you you've been straight edge and y'all are like one of the OG straight edge bands. What is the evolution of straight edge in the hardcore scene that you've, you've even up to recent times noticed? Mm. You know, um, one of the, one of the main things I know, um, actually I'll, I'll, I guess I'll preface it by, um, it's like, um, Toby would, Toby would always say, I'm a straight edge man. I'm a straight edge man. We're not a straight edge band. It's like my brother smokes and drinks and, you know, and they do this and they do that. And it's like, um, for me, it's like, I've tried, I've tried just about everything, but, um, nothing was appealing. And I, I, maybe I'm too, um, ADHD, um, that I'd, I'd rather, um, I'd rather not be, drunk high or, and I definitely am not a fan of cigarettes because it's always, uh, always been allergic to it. So, <laughs> I, um, but it's, um, I know in the scene, it's odd when, um, when I was coming up, it's like, don't drink, don't smoke, 
don't fuck. At least I can fucking think. You know, it's like mm-hmm. minor threat. Set the set the stage, and um, and then I noticed when we would go to Europe, it would be like if you're um, if you're not vegan, you're not straight edge. Yeah. So they would be like they would add that element to it. So you now you have to be vegan. You have to be vegan. You can't drink. But I noticed in Europe a lot of straight edge kids would be smoking, and I'm like, how can you be straight edge if you're smoking a cigarette? <laughs> And if you're anti-government, how can you be supporting one of the or anti-establishment? I should say, yeah. how can you be supporting one of the biggest corporations in the, in the world, the biggest, you know, death corp? And um, but I've noticed um, across the world, it would be different scenes would have their their idea of what you know straight edge is to them, and I'll be like, oh, if you drink if you drink caffeine, caffeine is a drug, and I like how. Ian McKay is like, oh, caffeine is a drug? Fuck you. <laughs> you, know, like, you see that meme all the time. Yeah, like, there's a oh. shop in Toronto that even has that on a shirt. It's oh, really funny. Yeah, funny. It's actually, it's a major treat. The, I think the owner is Martin oh, yeah. from um, Career Suicide. Yeah, yeah that's um, Hambone is yeah, part Hambone. of that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, um, I have yet to go to their, their shop. It's like we haven't since they've opened. We haven't been. We haven't been up. We've been to Canada, but we've mm-hmm. never been there early enough to go swing by a shop. You know? I've been trying to make my way over there as well. Uh, it's been a six-hour drive. So, oh man, you definitely, definitely um, say hey to Hambone when you're there, and just let it be like, hey, you know, I'm glad you're rusty, and <laughs> they'll, they'll show you the whole town. He's awesome, an amazing human being. Oh yeah, but um, but yeah, um, we've definitely seen every aspect. From, you know, the, the mild, I'm doing this, I'm cutting these things out of my life because I want to be clear-minded and think clearly and, and just try to be a better human being. And you've seen other people that, you know, I'm taking it to a full extreme. And if you don't like it, I'll fucking beat you down. And um, and usually what um call them shooting stars, usually the people who are most extreme, mm-hmm. you know, for four or five years later, you find out that they're like a heroin addict or yep. like a, you know, dying from organ failure because all the drugs they've been doing. And it's just like, come on, man, just because it's good for you doesn't mean it's good for everyone else and let everyone kind of make their own way or at least give people room to breathe and mm-hmm. room to grow. But yeah. Did you um, anticipate that it would, it would be a part of like hardcore in the scene like, you like, know, 20 years on. No, you know, it's funny because I, when, when we were, you know, I'm a person just like you, I get better things to do. Sit around and fuck my head. You know, when you're singing those, you're singing those and you're like, you know, that's me. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in that, I'm in the moment. And it's like, but you would never, you, you thought it was a, you thought about it, you know, this is a song and it's an ideal, but you didn't think it would turn into a worldwide movement. Right. So, it's, um, you know, I'm sure Ian, it's the, the question is he, he goes, so when did you come up with this this um you know idiom when Please. did you when yeah. did you write the um the commandments <laughs> the, the tablets the tablets of, of straight edge <laughs> straight edge tablets but um uh, or there should be tablet because there's not a whole lot I don't think there's like five rules <laughs> or something <laughs> Because I know I, I claimed edge for a while, like when I was in high school and college, and it came to a point where it was it was more about for me 
that became like something that was becoming kind of hazardous. Like when I was committing, you know, judging people for not being, you know, straight yeah. edge. Yeah. So then I kind of let it go and was like, I can live in moderation. I don't need to do everything in excess. Yeah. But, but to me, I've always liked the idea of the PMA, which I think goes in hand in hand with the concept of straight edge. So when you're talking about the shooting stars oh, yeah. and they're beating people up for not being straight edge, like, but you don't have PMA. So it's worthless yeah. for you to be straight edge. Like, why would you? Yeah, and definitely. It's um, it's why it's what you you figure if if you're um if you're making a list of values, you're like, okay, I'm not doing this because it's benefiting me this way, this way, and this way. And it's like you know you you're not an island, right? <laughs> and when you add the PMA, like you said, it's like you know, I'm connected to everybody, so you know. If, um, if I'm not doing these and, but I'm judging everybody and telling them what an asshole they are for doing this. It's like, I'm being the asshole. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it was, um, they would always say, you know, for every finger you point, there's like 10 pointing back at you. And, exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of stuck with me my whole life. It's like, um, how do you, how do you, you know, I've always been a team player in, in a sense where it's like, how can, what I'm doing, you know, how is what I'm doing affecting other people and, and how, if I want to be a better person, how can I do better things or mm-hmm. how can I, the world I live in, I see this sucks, that sucks, this sucks. I know in New York hardcore, a lot of bands when we were coming up would, um, that's what they were singing about. I see this, you know, people in the streets doing this, people dying, people killing. And it's like, um, we were like, we see that every day. We're, beat down by that and when we step inside we want to sing about what what's on the other side of that what is outside of that what what is you know what is bigger than that that we can talk about and in the the whole pma thing Mm -hmm. it's like we didn't we didn't set out you know we we weren't reading napoleon hill and as teenagers and be like you know hey how do we we push this positive mental attitude and um but you know, the bad brains were singing about PMA and it's like, and we knew that, you know, everyone that, you know, all our friends in our scene, we knew that um, that was our safe zone. And we knew that whatever we could do to, to build it and make it better. And someone falls down on the dance floor, you pick them up, you know, just something as simple as that. Yeah. You know, you see something, you actually do something and, um, I know that that aspect uh, is, is it's definitely what drew us to the scene because um, you know, most of us in most of the punk rock scene, I'm convinced, you know, I'm convinced 90 plus percent of band band members and people who are in the punk and hardcore scene are, are um, ADHD. And it's... um. <laughs> It's a, a way of exercising your demons and it's a way yes. of getting um, that instant satisfaction and fulfillment, but being part of something that, you know, you makes you feel human, alive and connected and not so crazy. So it's, um, I think um, we, um, we all come from broken homes and, you know, the scene definitely, it was, it was something that, we knew um, we could go there and 
and get your aggressions out on the dance floor without her, you know, without fighting or, and, but you can get physical, you can get bruised and you can get, you know, sometimes maybe bloody, but it was um, all in the, in the name of fun. Yeah. And like you said, it is, you know, keeping people connected. And that's for me, like I was definitely scared my first hardcore show, but there was something about the community and the feeling of like everybody's in it together. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, uh, from, from the song, like my friends look out for me, like family, when I learned like, it's like a hardcore family. It's not just like a bunch of people going to a show. Yeah. That's why I have such a hard time with like festivals and big shows is because I feel like it almost loses that aspect yeah. because it's not so much a safe space as it is like you're going for a name like mm-hmm. you're going to go see a name, but that local scene, uh, especially in small towns with like little DIY venues, that's really where hardcore comes from. And so that's definitely resonates with me. And I love the, the, the lyrics and the songs that you guys have. And, you know, even like minor threat, bad brains, like all of that, really has set the tone even 20 to 30 years on like yeah. that's what hardcore is still about yeah I, I feel the same i mean it's like even even a band like um marginal man out of dc it's like um they had um they had a song um missing rungs and it's like the social ladder is incomplete it's missing rungs are to protect the elite and it's um there was always that when you went to if, if you heard about a rock show or or even even now if you're like oh i there's this concert going on it it um there's a barricade there's no connection and there's like um i um i always love the, the the level playing field and um it's like you know you're um you're playing and putting it out the crowd is throwing it right back at you and it's yeah. so much of you know it's it's so much more of a connection when you know you can actually jump up on stage and, um, you know, scream the lyrics along with the, you know, one of the band members and then dive off and people actually catch you. There's like such a you know, symbiotic relationship. It's awesome. But it's, um, the, um, the DC scene for me definitely, um, created a, or created and sustained for me, like definitely a lot of political and social values. It's like with them, it, we would go to a show in DC and it would be such a mixed bag. You have, you know, skaters, goths, skins, um, punks, um, crusty punks, you'd have straight edge, you'd have so many different people. And it's like, um, from all over and it would, um, it would definitely set the pace where, uh, you'd roll in and be like, um, there's no, no racism, no sexism, um, no, no homophobia. It was just, um, a lot of, I loved, I, I guess a lot of, um, Today, if you if you scroll Twitter or Instagram or any of the social medias, you know it's um everyone's like you can't be this and you can't you shouldn't be that and you can't be this and, and it's like uh, you know what I I haven't because I grew up in the DC scene and it taught me from a very young age that none of this shit is is good yeah and a lot of the isms you know. A lot of the isms are pretty ill, but, um, but yeah, that's the one thing I can say. I'm thankful for the DC scene, you know, the DC punk rock and hardcore scene opening my eyes mm-hmm. and, uh, at a young age and, and 
keeping me on track. And I know even, even Toby will say, you know, I was raised, I was raised by the scene. You know, we wrote a song father figure mm-hmm. and it's, um, you know, all the, all the people in bands that he looked up to who were singing the lyrics that formed, you know, his core values and it just you know, sticks with you to this day. Definitely. And, and you know, it's, um, uh, it's crazy because um, I want to say maybe the past four or five years, I, I've always been like, you know, fuck authority, you know, fuck the government and that, and I feel like the, the whole, the, the banter back and forth online between hardcore, hardcore punk and where um, everyone was, you know, hand in hand. I feel like um, there's been so much political speech back and <laughs> forth and I'm like, you know, when did anyone give a fuck about a politician? Yeah. <laughs> it was all social politics where you actually, you know, face to face with someone and speaking to them, not on a keyboard, you know, judging and, and pushing your agenda. But, um, but yeah. Yep. That's <laughs> definitely the polarization has gotten to, I feel like almost a critical mass at this point, yeah. but uh, I, I digress from that. <laughs> yeah. Uh I really appreciate you joining me today, Rusty. It's been Mm -hmm. such an awesome conversation. I have one last question for you before we go. Sure. What is your favorite city for beans and breakdowns? Favorite city for beans and breakdowns? Mm. Berlin, Silo Coffee. That's third wave. If you want great coffee with a variety of, whether you're um, vegan, veggie, or omnivore, you can, they have every, every type of um, milk uh, for food, the same, um, every, they got everyone covered. Silo in Berlin, um, James Coffee in San Diego, amazing. And, um, and Dave, Big Dave, um, plays in Angels and Airwaves, mm-hmm. played with, you know, we met him and um, played Boxcar Racer. And um, um, great shop, and one of my favorite roasters as well. And um, on the East Coast, I want to say Brandywine, Brandywine Roasters. Oh, yeah. And, out um, of Delaware. Mm-hmm. Great beans. They had an Ethiopia just um, two months ago that was insane. Awesome. Like a super flavor punch. Um, let's see, Breakdowns. Breakdowns. Best Breakdowns. Best on Pit. Um, I can say New York, New York by far. Boston. Um, we played a show in Cambridge, and for years, we were trying to crack that nut. We would go to Boston. We had a lot of friends who were in Boston, and, you know, Boston and New York, it's always like um, there's a bit of a rivalry, but there's yeah. a camaraderie as well. And we had been, I want to say for at least two or three years, we had been going back and forth to Boston and like, man, why do we keep playing Boston? They don't like us. Or <laughs> that's the vibe I was getting. And, um, and one time we booked a show in Cambridge at a, a little church hall and I don't know what, when, what was going on. Maybe it was because of the venue or the crowd. And we, we broke into like, um, uh, like here today gone tomorrow or one of, one of our first rec- our first album songs with a heavy breakdown and the whole pit exploded. It looked like, you know, one of those push mowers with that blade and, and grass is flying everyone it looked like in my mind i was like there were 300 people 
windmilling at the same time, all in unison. And I was like, holy shit. I keep seeing it in my, I keep seeing it in my mind. I'm like, that was the craziest like pit I've ever seen. And I've seen crazy ones in New York, but it's like, you know, a lot of space in between, a lot of arms flying, a lot of people dropping, but this was in unison and no one was dropping and they were all just going full on. And that's one, one of the, one breakdown I will always remember. And that's beautiful. I'm trying to think um, because of this, the scenes and the dancing styles and how people come up in DC, whenever it would be a heavy breakdown, people would rock back and forth. But the fast parts, they go nuts and start swinging. Yeah. And New York was always the opposite. It was like the minute, you know, the minute it slowed down to a chunk, 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 New York, the fist would fly and you're yeah. like, oh shit, I wasn't ready for this. Um, in California, Circle Pit, it was like we play with the Misfits and um, it was a pack, maybe 800 people in this club and they just opened this big circle pit and it's like people running around like, you guys gotta, you gotta, your cardio's gotta be on point or that circle pit won't last long. That's <laughs> the, you- it's the same today. Like I was watching videos of Section Hate and Dead City, which is like a really cool punk band from LA and it's still circle pits all the whole time. Yeah. I'm like, how are y'all running? I'm telling you. It's like, it's not an old man's sport. <laughs> no, <laughs> even for me at, at almost 30, it's not my sport either. I can't do that. I can barely I'm, swing my arms anymore. I'll tell you. It's like, yeah, it was funny. We, um, and, and when we first played LA, they would check. You're like, you're not allowed to wear a belt. And they're like, what are you talking about? They're like, okay, well, while they're circle pitting, people will swing their belt buckles and smash people. And I was like, that's such a cheap shot thing to do. <laughs> Who the fuck does that? <laughs> They're like, oh, well, you never know. There's it's a different you know, world out there. Different world. There might be a handful <laughs> of dummies that just don't know any better. But <laughs> yeah, I'm like, great. man, who the fuck's got time to take off your belt and swing? It's like, I'm, I'm too busy you know, doing your, you're too busy doing your thing and enjoying it. It's like, right? Yeah, it's time to fucking rip off your belt. And then when you do, what if your pants fall down? You're gonna trip and fall in a pit? What? <laughs> That's what I'm like. I'm worried about all that. I'm like, what if my pants fall down and people see my underwear and stuff? Like, I don't want that. <laughs> Did I, I have, change it before I went to the show? I don't have time. I don't have time for all that. I'm just focused on the band. Well, Rusty, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been such a treat talking to you and, and drinking some coffee with you. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, of course, always. Uh, have a great rest of your Saturday and, and take care. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beans and Breakdowns. I want to give a huge shout out to Rusty for hanging out with me, uh, talking about coffee, about Perk, H2O, Straight Edge, everything that he had to say. Uh, It was such a great time and it was such a pleasure. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also find out more about the podcast if you find us online at beansandbreakdowns.com and on Instagram at beansandbreakdowns. Until next week, stay caffeinated and wake the fuck up!